Torah. Uh, and uh, the problem, the problem is, what exactly, uh, what I'd like to try to understand is the relationship between Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. We all know that the, uh, that Korach took a stand against, <coughs> against Aaron, Akohen, and took a stand against appointments that Moshe Rabbeinu made. But it also seems that Korach took a particular stand against Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's a little hard for us to understand. I mean, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu recently uh, brought the Torah into the world. And having brought the Torah into the world, I mean, you'd think that he would be off-putting. It wouldn't be so easy to take a stand against Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, you'd have to have he, that is to say, he, Korach, would have to have some way of justifying to himself that, uh, that he could take a stand against Moshe Rabbeinu. And even though it says in the Pesach, even though it says in the Pesach that Ha'ida uh, Kulam Kedoshim, that was the Ta'ana, that somehow they all were at Har Sinai and they all received the Torah, yet it must be obvious to everybody that Moshe Rabbeinu was special. He was different. He wasn't like anybody else. So what we're looking for, what we're looking for is the uh, specific uh, relationship between Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. So the first, the first source on the sheet, which we will look at, is, uh, is about the appointing of a king in Israel. We know that the first king in Israel, his name was Shaul, right? And he was he was of the tribe of Binyamin. He was the tribe of Binyamin, and he was appointed king by a Navi. That Navi's name was Shmuel. Now it's hard for us to understand, it would be hard at first to understand how this could happen. Because after all, Yaakov Avinu, when he blessed um, Yehuda, he seemed to indicate that without going into that, but we seem to indicate that the kingship would pass on to the tribe of Yehuda. And therefore, therefore it's hard to understand exactly why Shmuel Anavi was asked by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to appoint Shaul king. After all, Shaul was not of the tribe of Yehuda. At the end, it sort of worked out because Shaul's behavior was unacceptable and he was killed and his son was killed, right, Yonatan? His son was killed and the Malchut passed over to Yehuda, to David HaMelech, um, which sort of straightened it all out because David HaMelech, of course, was from the tribe of Yehuda, right? And so that was okay again. But the question about Shaul HaMelech remains. Now it's also true, the second story about Shmuel and uh, Shaul was that Shmuel didn't want to do it. He didn't want to appoint a king in Israel. He thought that whatever the political situation was before, before Shaul HaMelech, Right, the, 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 the world of Shoftim. Right, do you remember Shoftim, the second book of the Tanakh? First is Yoshua, 
the second is Shoftim, which uh, these are things that we learn when our children go to school. You know, like nobody ever knows them. But then all of a sudden your children show up and they say, help me with this, you know, like what's going on? So uh, the period of the Shoftim was distinguished by what was called, or what is called by Max Weber, charismatic leadership. Charismatic leadership. Charismatic leadership means that when you had a problem, the leader was born. Right? It wasn't, there was no king in Israel, but when there was a war or an imminent battle, somehow uh, a leader just came to be. You know, somebody grew up. In fact, that was the way, I suppose, that Shaul became the king of Israel. But before Shaul became the king of Israel, in other words, he was a charismatic personality. As it says in the Pasuk that he was tall and strong, you know, and a shepherd, which was in those days a serious uh, occupation. Uh, so he was a charismatic leader, but, but the Shoftim, the Shoftim were people who emerged. They emerged when the need came up, and they became temporarily kings of Israel. And so they went to battle. They went to battle as kings of Israel, right? But, but they didn't remain kings. When the battle was over, they kind of faded away into, into oblivion. And so that's what we call charismatic leadership, that people, unlike regular kings, who are often totally incompetent, but they are the sons or daughters of kings, these people, these shoftim, were not... Uh, uh, were not the children of kings, but they were, everybody looked up to them and said, they're going to solve the problem, they're going to save us, these charismatic, these charismatic leaders. <coughs> so again, there was no kings in Israel during the period of the Shoftim, right? And uh, there, were no, there were no kings in Israel during the period of the Shoftim, <laughs> And they were charismatic leaders, which we call Shoftim, who were sort of kings for the moment, kings for the, for the problem that came up. They had to go to war against Midian, so they went, led by whoever it was, right? whoever was the leader. After the war was over, if it was successful, the leader would disappear. There's even a story about Yiftach, that he was offered kingship. He was offered kingship and refused it. Because, uh, well, in, in, any, in any event, uh, kingship in Israel started from the bottom. The people came to Shmuel and they said to him, it's not good enough, uh, this charismatic leadership business. We want to have a real king. A real king, as the Torah describes a real king, whose children will be kings after him and his, their children after, after them. And uh, without getting into it, I think we could understand that there are certain political advantages to having a king, to having a country, to having a banner, to having an army, to having, you know, all of, all of these things are, all of these things are true. And the main thing, the main thing that the kid, king did, which affected every person in the country, 
was to collect taxes because to have a king and to have um, to have a king and to have I don't know an army because somebody has to pay for it right somebody had to has to pay for it so uh, our beloved leader in America uh, said in his inimitable ways that having an army in South Korea costs a lot of money which is not perfectly clear and it sounded like he was telling us something that we could not have possibly known on our own and so we're happy that he did that So what a king did, the main thing that a king did was collect taxes. And the main thing that the taxes were collected for was the army. Have a standing army. It's not like a charismatic leader. A charismatic leader says, who's with me? You know, and then they all show up on horseback with sandwiches that their wives gave them when when they left. No, it's not like that. It's like today. You want to have an army? Every day they show up and want to eat lunch. And in order for them to eat lunch, you have to have money. Now, when Shlomo HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech collected the tax money in order to build the Beit HaMikdash, which sounds like a great thing to do. Now, what else would you do with money except build the Beit HaMikdash? However... However, when Shlomo Melech died, the people came to his son. His son's name was? Rechavam. Rechavam, Rechavam, that was his son's name. And they said, we can't afford to pay so much tax. Sounds familiar in history. They, that's what they said. And he said to them, you think you paid a lot up to now? You're going to pay more under me, right? I want even more money. And the way it's told in the Tanakh, that was the reason for the split between the northern kingdom, what became the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom, Yehuda, remained under the leadership of the family of David HaMelech, David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, Rechavon. Right? He became the king. But the northern kingdom split away split away, and they had a new king. Yeravam ben Nevat, who turned out to be the worst possible person imaginable. But (coughs) Yeravam ben Nevat was a real king. Was a real king. By that I mean he was anointed by a prophet. He, Yeravam ben Nevat, was anointed by a prophet, just as Shaul was anointed by a prophet anointed by Shmuel Navi, and David was anointed by a, pro- by a prophet also Shmuel Navi, right so that's that's about kingship who's the Navi who anointed Yeravam ben Nevat Achiyah HaShiloni Achiyah HaShiloni he was the prophet who anointed who anointed so, so you understand that there is this institution called king and there was a long period of time when there were no kings, but there were charismatic leaders. But I say there was no king because the children, there was no inheritance of kingship. And there was no permanence of kingship either. 
The kings were kings only as needed. And that's what we call charismatic leadership. And, and, uh, but they were appointed and anointed by prophets. Who appointed and anointed? Shaul and David. That was uh, Shmuel Hanavi. Now, after the king is anointed, if the king is anointed, his son doesn't have to be anointed anymore. That's the halacha. If, as long as you go from father to son, right, then, then the, the, the old anointment somehow works for the new king as well. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but are you going to... The what? This, what? Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but is, is this sort of like a parallel... What does that another, mean, to jump a gun? In other words, that I might be throwing Wait, something no, out a little bit too quickly. Hopefully I'm not. No. Um, but is, is this the, the argument that Korach is making, that he considers Moshe to be a charismatic leader who rose during the time but is no longer needed because everybody is Kadosh? But Hashem, on behalf of Moshe, makes the argument, no, he is my anointed prophet, uh, and therefore much like an anointed king. Maybe, but I think it's a little bit different, but let's see, let's see how, it, how it works out. First we'll see the, the psukim, the psukim in Shmuel Aleph, about, about, about the, the disagreement between Shmuel and, uh, and uh, the people. So the Pasuk says, So this is, Shmuel said he was opposed to making a, to having a king. But which is a, remains a problem. I mean, the Torah says, the Torah, the Pasuk of the Torah in Tvarim says, Som Tasim Alecha Melech, which the Rambam says, is actually a mitzvah, right? There's a mitzvah to have a king. So it's hard to understand how Shmuel could have been opposed to kingship in Israel, but he was, and he says so. Not only did he say it in that, at that time, but here in this pasuk he says, he says, he says, I appointed a king as you requested. But you know that I was not, I was not for it. Here the king is going before you, the king is Shaul. He says, I'm old and tired, my children, are, my sons are with you. Walked before you from the time I was with. It's hard to know exactly what he wants, Shmuel. He says, I was with you from the time I was young until today. He's not saying, I didn't take anything, I didn't do anything, I didn't use anything. Rashi says, Rashi says, the Apostle Gimel, show me lakakti, whose ox did I, did I take? Lavodati, for my own private use. Bechamorah mi lakakti, kshayiti olech mi ir ir. When I went from one city to the other, lishmototam, to judge them, aliskeitzor chayhem, ayiti olech. I would go on my own donkey. It's like, you know, like 
He's saying, I wasn't even a, 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 a member of the board of directors. I drove my own car like a guy in the Knesset. I remember these years ago, there was a Chavir Knesset who took the, the bus. Benny he used to write about Vegas. it. What? Benny Begin, he still does. Benny Begin, before Benny Begin. Before <laughs> Benny Begin. Somebody named Katz. Katz, who was a religious Chavir Knesset from Haifa. And he used to come to the Knesset from Haifa by bus. You know, people couldn't, they couldn't believe it. And he said, well, you know, that's what he, whatever he said. But it didn't catch on. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, uh, Benny Begin, Benny Begin lived right here, right? He lived in Beit HaKerem or something. Very close. Okay, so in other words, so what is it exactly that Shmuel is saying? Why does he sort of make this confession? Pasuk Dalit. So they all, you know, now hearing that he's retiring and he's leaving the, the scene and he's not going to have any position. So everybody says, oh, you're a great guy and we know that you didn't take anything and you, and, and, uh, uh, and he said to them, so perhaps he has some kind of clearing the decks, you know, before he retires, before he leaves, before he becomes the subject of, of uh, gossip. In the gossip columns of, uh, of the world, he says, forgive me and tell me I'm all right, and tell me everything is fine, that you have no complaints about me. Uh, so then you come to the next section. So here you have this kind of a, a, a secondary statement by Shmuel. Okay, I'm leaving, but I want to make sure you understand that God took you out of Mitzrayim and brought you here the way the way it is. And then he goes through, he goes through the, you know, the past. He goes through the past. And then if you, if you look at, uh, I mean, he, he, he goes through, he goes through that. Let, let's go to the second, to the second source. You see, Bamidbar Perik Ted Zion. Bamidbar Perik Ted Zion, let's see. Uh, uh, in, in any event, is our parasha. Is our parasha the parasha of Korach? Now, the Tanva Aviram, the they were the, the representing the large group that came with Korach to deny authority. Moshe Rabbeinu's authority and Aaron's authority, his appointment, they all came, but, but we understand, we, we don't understand exactly what they were going to benefit. What, what was the, the, the profit? Okay, so every time you support a corrupt person, you hope that some of his corruption will wear off on you as well, right? You, you, you support corruption because you think it's profitable for you. You're like, you know, why not share? Why shouldn't the corruption be shared? So this is what, what the Pasuk says. 
המעט, ויאמרו לא נעלה. וישלח משה לקרוא לדתן באבירם, ויאמרו לא נעלה. And they say, uh, they say, לא נעלה. We don't want, I mean, the way the Chazal understood that is they sort of said, we don't want to go to you, which implies a higher spiritual level. We just don't want to go with you. We don't want to respond to you. Hama'at, they go on to say, Ki He says, isn't it enough that you took us out of Eretz Avat Chalavudvash, which of course is a pun, right? Because Eretz Kenan is Eretz Avat Chalavudvash, and, and uh, Mitzrayim is not. Mitzrayim is different. But the pun is, the pun is that you, you took us, right? You led us, the Eretz Avat Chalavudvash, l'hamitenu b'amidbar. And after all, you caused us to die here in the desert. That's what happened in the parish of Shalach, right? The parish of the Maraglim. Ki histarer aleinu gam histarer. Now, what does that mean? Histarer aleinu, right? Histarer aleinu. Histarer is the word lisrog, to be, to have authority. You, you have authority over us. <coughs> And therefore, we blame you for the mess that we're in. Pasuk Yudalid, Avlol Eretz Avat Chalavud Vashav Yotano. You didn't, you took us from an Eretz Avat Chalavud Vashav, but you didn't bring us to a land of Zavat Chalavud Vashav. And you didn't give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. The eyes of those people who see, who see what's really going on. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna uh, put out their eyes. You're gonna make them blind. They won't be able to see. We're not gonna go with you. Now, pasuk tedvav. See pasuk tedvav. Vayichale Moshe meod. Moshe Rabbeinu got very angry. Vayomel Hashem and he turns to God. And says, Al Tefen El Minchatam, don't pay any attention to their gift. A mincha is a meal offering. I mean, it's like a korban that is made out of out of meal, right? Al Tefen El Minchatam, Lo Chamor Echad Mehem Nasati Velo Zharioti Et Echad Mehem. I didn't I didn't take a, a, a donkey from them. Imagine Moshe Rabbeinu, which donkey is he saying that he didn't take from them? What, what is he talking about? Rashi at the bottom, Lo chamor echad mehem nasati, Lo chamor oshel echad mehem natalti. I didn't take anybody's chamor. I didn't borrow it. I didn't, you know, I, didn't, I, I, I paid myself. I rented the car myself. I didn't take somebody else's car. I didn't take a company car. I didn't take a rental car. I got it all myself. Afilu kishalachti mi midyan le mitzrayim. Rashi adds, even when I went from midyan, remember, Moshe ran away from mitzrayim to midyan. We met his wife and his father-in-law, and that story. He says, Afilu kishalachti mi midyan le mitzrayim. When I went back, when Hakadosh Baruch told me to go back to mitzrayim, veherkavti et ishti vetbanai alachamor. And I 
kind of gave them a ride, my wife, my children, and it was Yitro, but it, that doesn't matter. I should have taken the chamor from them, from the people who I was with. He says, I insisted that they would come on my, on my chamor, vitargum, unculus, etc. Okay, it doesn't matter. Now, if you look again, look back at the at the pasuk in Shmuel in Shmuel Bet, Shmuel Aleph. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the pasuk says pasuk Gimel. Pasuk Gimel. Henini anubi neged Hashem and neged Mishicho et shor milakachti v'chamor milakachti. Right, pasuk Gimel et shor milakachti. It's exactly like like Moshe Rabbeinu. Exactly like Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so in in literary uh, people might call this literary style. You know, like like whoever wrote Shmuel, whoever wrote that down the, the psukim of Shmuel, who was that? The Gemara says it was Shmuel. What, what? It was Shmuel who wrote Shmuel. So he says. So he says. Oh, why did Shmuel say about himself? Why did he say about Chamor Milakachti? Because he remembered that that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. And he felt the same, but really the question is not where the phrase comes from. The question is why did Shmuel feel that the application of that phrase to he himself was appropriate? I mean, after all, if Moshe Rabbeinu said something, that's not necessarily a, a, a reason to copy it. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's special. I'm not gonna say exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu said. So that's what he says, Chamor mi lakachti, ved mi ashakti, ved mi ratzoti, u miyad mi lakachti kofer, the posseg, I'm reading the posseg in Shmuel Aleph, v'alim einai bo, v'ashiv lachem. He says, that's what, that's what he said? Uh, okay, v'ashiv lachem. In, in, in other words, there was some kind of a complaint about Shmuel just as there was some sort of complaint about Moshe Rabbeinu. But we don't know exactly what the complaint was. So there is an attempt by the pre I guess, you know, getting into the pre habit with the pre If you look at the second, on the second page, look at the second page, I'll try to explain what the pre says. Haftarat parashazo, this is how he places the question that we just asked. So he says it in a different way. He says the haftarah of of the parsha of Korach, parsha Zoh, Bishmuel Aleph, Yudbeis. So these psukim that we just learned, right? The haftarah for the parsha is in Shmuel Aleph, Perik Yudbeis. Hamidaber ikar mimamloch chet shau v'hashayechet leparsha Zoh. Masha Amar Shmuel et Shor Mi Lakachti v'Gomer de Domel Lishon Moshe Rabbeinu Parsha Zo Lo Chamor Echad Me'ev Masati v'Gomer. He says he says you could usually look for a reason that the Haftarah was chosen for this particular parasha, right? So he says, oh, and the reason is that pasuk that we saw, which seems to be exactly similar, the pasuk about Shmuel Hanavi. And the pasuk about Moshe Rabbeinu. However, he says, "Hurak tzat shivui." 
He says, it's not really much of a connection. It's not a good enough reason. It's not a good enough reason for, uh, for making this the Haftorah, for that parasha, for the parasha of Korah. V'chein ma'ashe nidrash v'medrash rabah, furthermore, p'sukei Shmuel p'sukei Moshe, gam kein hu shayachud klusha. So we didn't, we didn't learn that yet, but we'll, we'll see that the Medrash Rabbah, the other source that's on the sheet, is from the Medrash Rabbah. There is an ongoing kind of commentary which compares what happened with Shmuel with what happened with, uh, with Moshe Rabbeinu. But he, the pre-Tzadik, says, says, Gam kein hu shayachut klusha. I don't know exactly why he says that. Shayachut klusha means it's a weak uh, comparison. Shayachot is to be connected, and klusha is weak, right? Something, something weak. Ah, he says, but well, now he has to, he, you know, he set it up, he set up the questions, he's got to give an answer. Ah, ha'inyan shekola parasha hu me'inyan But the entire parasha in Shmuel, is about Chidush, Chidesh Shmuel Amlucha, that Shmuel, after all, uh, uh, created, he created kingship in Israel. I mean, of course, he was commanded by God to do it, but he did it. He's the one who established Shaul as the king, as the king of Israel. He says, Meinan Chidesh Amlucha Shaul, Umikoma Koma Malahem, Musar. And then he went on to tell them Musar, because when do you tell people Musar? When they are creating a dangerous situation for themselves. So we know that Malchut, that kingship, creates danger. Most of the kings of Israel and Yehuda were bad people who encouraged <coughs> the Jews to violate, <coughs> violate the Torah and to be involved with Avodah Zarah. That's, that we know. He says, Amar lehem Musar, v'amar, and, and so Shmuel said, I want you to remember that there's a lot of wickedness in you. Asher Hashem, He says, it was a bad thing that you did to ask for a king. So I say again, you know that Shmuel, for some reason, which is not perfectly clear, not perfectly clear, but it, it, it is true that Shmuel tries to explain himself and says that, again, as we said before, that kingship is difficult. It's primarily difficult because it costs money. And if it costs money, that means everybody has to pay. Right? That's the difficulty that Shmuel was referring to. The same thing is true about Korach who denied who denied the uh, the Kuhuna the priesthood of Aharon Bilvad Here it is God, I mean, just said it Gam al Meluchat Moshe means what does that mean? 
that he was denying the kingship of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, what is the kingship of Moshe Rabbeinu? Look, look carefully. This is before Shmuel. Before Shmuel appointed Shaul as the king of Israel, there were kings in Israel. Was what I tried to explain before about charismatic leadership. There were kings in in, in Israel. Well, what does that mean? The shoftim were malachim. Well, they would lead the people in war. They would they would be the the generals of the Jewish people, and that's what a king is. A king is somebody who goes to war when necessary. Right, that these shoftim who led the Jews into battle, they may not have physically led them into battle because they were they had another job, and that other job was to judge the people. Right, shoftim for the word shofet, they were also judges. They were judges and they were kings. The milchama ushmuel azaram. And Shmuel was able to help them, meaning the Shoftim, by davening. He had it. He was able to daven. He was able to supplicate uh, heaven for the benefit of the people. So they were able to go out to war and to be victorious. So the Pritzadik says that they had kings before the king. There was a king before the king. If you'll say that the main job that the king had was to lead the people into battle, well, they had somebody to do that. That not only did they have somebody to do that, but they also had Shmuel Hanavi. And what was his contribution? He davened. And davening was important, and it was able to guarantee victory. Able to guarantee, guarantee victory. Zeshen Amar. That he says about himself, I can daven. I can I can go I can daven to Hashem. That's what Shmuel said. What do you need a king for? Why do you want to have a king? We have that already. We have the setup that 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 gives me the same result. And it may be that according to the pre-tzaddik, this is really the, uh, the demand of the Torah. When the Torah says, it means recognize the fact that God will give you charismatic leaders who would lead you to battle, and then the Navi will support that. And so you'll have the result that you want without the, the burden of kingship, right, of government. That's a, that's a difficult thing. Now, that's about Shmuel. So what about Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was a king. He took them out of Mitzrayim and he moved them, you know, horizontally from one place to another. That's that kind of leadership. He gave them what they needed, right? Man and, and, and Miriam's well. 
the kill kilam, and he took care of their economic needs. Bamidbar, beman, ubeer. Right, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. He supplied that for them, just like a king is supposed to do. But he was not the kind of king who goes out and leads the people in battle. But he was the king and he derived his authority from the Torah. Like, just like Shmuel derived his authority from davening, Moshe Rabbeinu derived his authority from the fact that he knew the Torah. That he was supporting, whatever he did, he supported the Torah. He received the Torah. What? He received the Torah. Also, Rak Bechinat Melech Bekoch HaTorah De Rabbanan Akrei Melachim That we know in the Gemara very, so, uh, uh, very often it says, you know, who are the, who are the real kings? Who are real kings? That, those are the, the Rabbanan. Kemosha Amru Bekorach Nechlak Bekosha Amru Korach said, no, we don't want that kind of king. We want a melech kolagoyim, a king like all the, the goyim, which is what the people said to Shmuel and Avi. It's in the Pasuk in the Torah also. Okay. So what I think, I think is happening, I think Jeff was maybe, you know, on, on to this. The way I understand it is, the way I understand it is, that there are people who have multiple personalities. They function, they function in different ways. Function in different ways. So he says, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who brought the Torah into the world, I mean physically, the physical Torah into the world, and then who taught the Torah who taught the Torah in the desert to the Jewish people, so he was like a unique, a unique personality. Besides that, he had certain, there were certain features of his personality which were more uh, regular. He was, for a while, a Kohen, right, until he passed the Kuna onto Aaron HaKohen. And for a while, until he died, actually, he was the king of Israel. And he was in charge of going to war and straightening out the camp, you know, how the camp should be organized. He was also the Melech. So when you have a person like that, and then Shmuel Navi was, and there were certain similarities. I mean, he was the Navi, which is a special connection to God, right? A Navi gives everybody else that special connection. It's not just a personal thing, or even if there is a personal kind of a Navi, Shmuel was not that. Shmuel was a national Navi. So he was a Navi, but he was also, according to the Pritzadik, a Melech. Right? Of course, his Malchut, he acted his Malchut by appointing kings and also, also by davening. Right? Tefillah, that's what he was able to do. So you have, you have multiple personalities you could come to, apparently, you could make an error. You can make an error. You could say, Moshe Rabbeinu, when it comes to the Torah, he's a great man. When it comes to being a king, he's like a king. Like, I can, I can make a judgment. I can't make a judgment on Moshe Rabbeinu 
as the bringer of the Torah into the world, but maybe I can make a judgment on Moshe Rabbeinu acting as the king of Israel. And since I can make a judgment acting on the king of Israel, acting on the king of Israel, so I go and I take, take a haircut and I ask the barber, what's a king like? Or what is a king supposed to do? And if the barber says something that's not really appropriate to Moshe Rabbeinu, so I say, oh, that was what Datan Babiram said. They said, you took us out of Mitzrayim. Right? You didn't bring us anyplace else. You didn't give us what we really needed. The, the way we ate and the way we drank was not normal and not regular. And therefore, we don't like the way you are the king of Israel. And it was possible. It was possible for people to make this error. <coughs> this error. And this error was made twice in Jewish history. Twice in Jewish history. Once in the, in, when Korach, in the, in the riots of Korach against, against the leadership of Israel. And the second was when Shmuel, uh, when the people wanted to appoint a king, and Shmuel tried to explain to them that this was not going to be a good idea, but would cost them, would cost them dearly. And that cost them dearly part of it was something that they were willing, willing to forget about. And so the original question of the Pritzadik about what's the connection between the parasha of Korach and the parasha that we read in the Haftorah in, uh, in Shmuel, well, the difference is that the same mistake was being made. And that mistake was that if you have a person who is a superior person, he can sometimes, or he can generally, take on a job which doesn't seem to be at first appropriate to him and, and excel at it. And excel at it. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu, and that was Shmuel, that was Shmuel Anavi. The last lines here uh, in the... Uh, in the in the Pritzadik, Rak Moshe Rabbeinu lo yadat klau ma'ala ba'atzmo shehu yitron b'ma'ala al ma'ala alachar rak shebachar bo Hashem yitbarach v'omer kevan shenitzrach echad liot shaliach likavalat haTorah bachar Hashem yitbarach bo. Vilu Bachar Hashem Yitbarach Ba'acher Ayahu Kamo Vichol Echad Mi Yisrael Ra'ui Lazay. So Moshe Rabbeinu, he was, uh, he didn't understand, he didn't understand about himself that the fact that he was chosen to be the one who brings the Torah into the world makes him, makes him substantially different than everybody else. But he thought that God could have chosen anybody. They call Echad Mi Yisrael Ra'ui Lazay. That, that all of the, my parents were, uh, Yaakov Avinu says, that Yitzchak and Avram were able to, to work things out on their own, while at that it's God who leads me on my way. And 
לשווא לא אנוש כערכי ואמר אשר יחדיו נמתיק סוד He said we will, this was says in the Medrash that we will somehow be able to to do this together ובמדרש רבן דרש פסוק זה על ארון etc. So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu I mean, it's a secondary question. If this is all true, that Moshe Rabbeinu and Shmuel are superior personalities who were even great leaders and kings, then how come, how come Moshe Rabbeinu ran away? Why did he go to God to ask God to do something? Straighten this out. You know, why, wasn't he, why wasn't he confident? So we know that there's the... I would, I would add that the Sefer Ikarim, the Sefer Ikarim, Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Albo. Rabbi Yosef Albo wrote a book called the Sefer Ikarim, which is um, Jewish theology. Like, you know, what the Jews have to, have to know. So in there he also does a lot of parashanut, and he said, he said, uh, the Chaita, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron sinned uh, with, the, uh, with the, they hit the rock instead of talking to the rock, right? Remember that story? Yeah. So it's like not so easy to understand exactly where the chait is. All that we showed him ask on Rashi. Rashi says they hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Some kind of, what do you expect? You know, people are going to be... Uh, are going to be upset by that. They're going to think that this is a Chilul Hashem. What's, why is it Chilul Hashem? I mean, after all, generally speaking, when you hit a rock, it doesn't gush forth water. So what's the difference? This is a miracle and that's a, that's a miracle. So, uh, so Rabbi Yosef Alba says, Rabbi Yosef Alba says, that wasn't the Chait of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Chait of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Chait of Moshe Rabbeinu was that they ran to the tent of the Oral Mo'ed. When the people came, they said, give us water. They ran away and said to HaKadosh Baruch what should we do? What should we do is they did not exhibit leadership. What was affected? The Malchut in them, the kingship in them, because the kingship in them, we said that there is, the kingship was made up of charismatic leadership. Charismatic leadership meant you need it, you got it, right? And so at that moment, B'nai Yisrael needed leadership. They came, they said, we don't have any water, we want water. So they needed somebody to tell them, you'll get what you need when the time comes. You'll get what you need when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give it to you. Instead, Moshe Rabbeinu ran away, ran away and, and, and exhibited weakness instead of exhibiting kingship. Rabbi Yosef Alba doesn't say that, that part about kingship. That I'm adding in light of what we learned today. And Rabbi Yosef Alba proves it, proves that his general idea that you can't run away from, from your obligation to authority by quoting the story of Yoshua in the Eimek HaAleh. Yoshua said, Shemesh begivon dom, v'yareach be'emek ayalom. Remember that? Yeah. Shemesh begivon dom. Givon, 
was where they were. Shemesh begivon, the sun in givon, don't. It should just stop. Just be quiet. The areach be'ebakayalon and the earth so that time should stop. Why did Yoshua say that time should stop? Because he knew that if he had a little more time, he would be able to be victorious in the battle. <coughs> in the battle against the eye. That's what Yoshua knew. So Yoshua was the king. Yoshua was the king of Israel. And he exhibited this powerful, this powerful position. He said, Rav Yosef Albo says, How did Yeshua know that it would happen? God, how did he know that, that if he said Shemesh would give on Dome, it would happen? That the sun would stop and the moon would stop and the day would continue until they won the battle? I mean, who told him that? And so, so Rabbi Yosef Abba says, You see, Yeshua did not run to the Kotel. He did not run to wherever you run to to complain to HaKadosh Baruch they let us know what's going to happen. But leadership, Malchut, meant that Yeshua had full confidence that whatever was necessary to win the battle would actually happen. And what was necessary was that time should stop. So even though it seems to us to be absolutely impossible, for Yeshua it was perfectly reasonable. And so Yeshua did not say what should I do to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? He did not say, uh, maybe we could think about this as an idea, or what is it that we could do? He said, Lashon Sivui, right, command? It's a command. To give a command to the heavenly bodies, you have to be pretty sure of yourself. That's what Malchut is. That's what Malchut is. You're pretty sure of yourself. So, so the mistake that Korach made, the mistake that Korach made when he came to Moshe Rabbeinu was thinking that Moshe Rabbeinu was some kind of a split personality. That as the giver of the Torah, he was unique, unparalleled, uh, without uh, contest. He was, he was Moshe Rabbeinu. But when he came to Malchut, he was maybe a regular person. Maybe he's a regular person, and it could be that if you read the story of Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu carefully, you'll see that Moshe Rabbeinu enters into a discussion with him, a sign of weakness, a sign that he doesn't know, or he doesn't know perfectly well what it is that is supposed to happen. So that's Rabbi Yosef Albo, who said that Malchut, uh, charismatic kingship, or, or kingship of an appointed king, is something that happens absolutely confidently. Right? You know what it is. That's what a king is. The king is the one who knows what has to happen. And Moshe Rabbeinu gave in a little bit. And Korach was able to make the mistake that Korach made. And the same thing is probably true about Shmuel, since uh, Kodesh Baruch told Shmuel to give in. So that's a different, that's a different story. Okay. Have a good Shabbos. Yes.